to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. Welcome back. We are going to finally get back into the book of Esther today. In the last several weeks, we have been going through uh, the reason for the season on Sunday mornings and looking at uh, the birth of Christ and all of the things that are associated with that. And then we looked at the reason for uh, the New Year's celebration and uh, what God would have us for that. But the last time that we saw Mordecai and Esther, just to catch everybody up, uh, they had decided, Esther had uh, asked Mordecai to go and gather all the Jews in Shushan the palace and fast for her as she prepared to go in and meet the king. And uh, she went in uh, with the attitude of, if I perish, I perish. And we know that the Lord provided in a great way for her as she entered in and and the king held out his golden scepter to her, and uh, she was able to um, invite the king and Haman to the um, banquet that she had prepared for them uh, to provide for her. And this all reminds me of Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21 and verse number 1. And this is probably the main idea for all of this or the main picture that we need to see in all of the book of Esther even though God is not mentioned the Bible says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water he turneth it whithersoever he will we know that throughout history God has used even the Gentile kings Uh, we talked a little bit or we're going to talk tonight a little bit about Nehemiah Uh, but we've talked in this uh, series through Esther, knowing that Esther is takes place between Ezra and Nehemiah uh, during the time where Gentiles are ruling over Israel, that it was the, through those Gentile kings that God was rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem and rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, yes, he was using the Jews, but these Gentile kings were financing all of that. And uh, it's an important lesson for us today to understand that even though we may not Uh, know or may not like what is going on in our government that uh, that government was placed there by God above us and that it is uh, as Romans 8 28 says for our good for all things work together for good to them that love God to them that are the called according to his purpose so we need to pray even for those that would be uh against us that would be uh, making decisions that would affect us in a negative way, we need to be praying for them. Especially now as we're in our uh, election year here in the United States, we need to be praying uh, that God would bring us a godly man uh, to stand on in the presidential seat and to lead our country. But we need to make no mistake here that we know and understand that the king loved Esther and and. Esther went in and and he held out the golden scepter and he asked what she desired even to the half of the kingdom. Uh, He is entirely spitten with her, but he had been they had been apart for at least 30 days. But it is the entirely the hand of God that moved the heart of the king. 
So today we're going to see uh, God continue to move. Again, God is not named in the book of Esther. Uh, the only even remote allusion to him is the fact that Esther and Mordecai fasted and that the Jews were fasting and that time of fasting always included a time of prayer to God. But we're going to see God's hand continue to work, and I pray that it will be a blessing. So Esther chapter 5 is where we're going to pick up, and verse number 6. The Bible says, And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? Even to the half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then answered Esther and said, My petition and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform, for my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I will prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow as the king had said. Then went Haman forth that day joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself, and when he came home, he sent and called for his friends and Zeresh, his wife. And Haman told them, of all the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman said, Moreover, yea, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared but myself. And tomorrow am I invited unto her also with the, with the king. Yet all this availeth me nothing, so long as I see Mordecai the Jews sitting at the king's gate. Then said Jerish his wife, or Zeresh his wife, and all his friends unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high, and tomorrow speak thou unto the king, that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thou in merrily with the king unto the banquet. And the king the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. Let's pray. Father God again, we love you. And we thank you, Lord, we thank you for your guiding hand. Even when we don't see you, even when we don't want to follow you, even when we don't know you, your hand is guiding and directing. Lord, you have given us free will to choose, but you continue to push and guide and direct to help us to make the right decisions. So God, please, speak to our hearts today. Help us to clear our minds, clear our hearts of all the worries and trials of the world. And help us to just focus on your truth today, to hear it, to take heart in it, to be comforted, to be encouraged, to be strengthened in this great and wonderful truth. Lord, you are ever-present and guiding and directing. So God, please, work in us. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, Esther has made her request. The king and Haman have come to the banquet. And... The king again asks, Esther, what do you need? What is your petition? And he wants, he'll give her everything, even half of the kingdom. Again, we see his love and his care for her. This is a, a big difference between Vashti, who refused, who disobeyed the king, and he removed her. Esther had disobeyed the king and come in when she wasn't requested. But he had grace and mercy on her. He loves her. But you have to wonder, as Esther makes her request again and invites them to another banquet, just how important the lives of the Jews are to her. I mean, 
I, I can't imagine. I know the night that, that Abby was born, as soon as I was, everybody was out of the room and I understood that there was nothing that anybody else could do, even though I didn't believe in God, I immediately got on my knees and prayed to a God that I didn't know was there and said, Lord, if you are real, keep her alive and I'll find you. And that was the beginning of the journey of me getting saved. But that was my immediate thought. When I knew that Melissa was having trouble, it was immediately, I'm going to call someone who can help. And I'm going to ask for that help. Brother Grant, the other day, Friday, went and, and immediately went to his doctor. And, and then they went and sent them to Ames because it was above his head. But he needed help. And here, I understand that we're months away from the time that's been appointed for all the Jews to be destroyed. But Esther, as we read this, it's confusing that she is not just going in. And immediately as she entered in and, and, and the king held out his scepter, that she didn't immediately ask for her people's lives. But we must understand that while this doesn't make sense to us, it made sense to God. And there is a plan and a purpose. And we're going to see that as we continue on in the next couple of lessons. There are some things that need to line up. But I'm not saying that in Esther's fasting that God laid out this whole plan for her. But I am saying that she had just come out of three days of fasting, of spending time in prayer with God. And now she is being led by God. She is being guided. This is exactly what God needs her to do. This is exactly how this needs to lay out. Again, it might not be the way we think it should. But this is how God thinks it should. We know and understand that Haman, this wicked and evil man, understanding the rest of the story, we know that he is going to be punished and punished severely. But there are some things that need to take place. And also, we need to understand that even though the king is a picture of Satan, and Esther is the queen, they are still a husband and a wife. They are still a picture of what needs to happen for us. And we know that Esther has been away from the king for 30 days. She's not been asked to come in. She's not been in his presence. There's some fellowship broken there. Just like there was some fellowship broken between her and God for all of these years that she's not done what she needed to do as a Jew, she had to take that time of prayer and fasting to get right with God, to be led by God, to, be, to fix that fellowship. And now she needs to take that time with the king and fix the fellowship that was there. Even though the king is glad to see her, she doesn't know exactly where he stands yet. Because as we remember, Haman went to the king and the king, even though Haman didn't say who it was that he wanted to destroy, the king agreed. The king gave Haman his ring. He gave him the seal to write the law that would destroy Esther's people. And we know that Esther hasn't revealed herself. We don't know if the king knows in the back of his mind that 
because he's been told by somebody that she's a Jew and that he knows and understands? We don't know. She doesn't know. So she's being a little cautious here. The biggest thing to remember in all of this, though, is given to us in Isaiah 55. Isaiah chapter 55. The Bible says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto, whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you in signing, into signing, and all the trees singing, sorry, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. All of that shows God's grace and mercy, but the important part is verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. We talked a little bit this morning about God's perfect plan and purpose. And while we don't understand what's going on, we understand that God has a purpose. It's very likely here, and it's evident if we've read the story, that God is laying out his purpose. His timing is perfect. I mean, after all, he waited some 4,000 years to send his son to the cross from the time that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden to the time that that 
the, the prophecy of his the, the woman's seed was fulfilled when Christ was born on this earth. God is laying the groundwork for something important. God is working in a tremendous way. If you're struggling today, if you're hurting today, if, if something's going on in your life today that is just causing you to doubt and to fear, understand that God is still here. He hasn't left. He's still right here guiding and directing in everything. Now we understand as we continued on that Haman, Haman's not done yet. Haman leaves and he's full of pride and full of joy that he was brought in before the queen. And, and then he goes out and he sees Mordecai. And Mordecai doesn't bow. Mordecai doesn't move. He just shows complete indignation. And Haman goes into a rage. Haman's pride has to gain a little altitude before God was ready to correct him. He's so proud of the fact that he was the only one brought in. He goes home and, and he... He tells his family and his friends, and, and I love this. Verse number 10, Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself, and when he came home, he sent and called for his friends and Zeresh his wife. And Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him and how he advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman said, Moreover, yea, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king under the banquet that she had prepared but myself. And tomorrow am I invited unto her also with the king. Excuse me. Haman had to go brag to his buddies. But he had to go brag to his wife. I, I don't know. Rachel often gets mad at me um, because we, uh, we get in the car and we ride home from work and we don't talk. Because we've talked throughout the day and it's like, well, you know, what's new at work? Well, what's happened since 2.30 the last time I talked to you? Um, not much. You know, uh, what, how was, how was your morning? Oh, we already, we, we talked about that at lunchtime. We talk all the time. Probably not nearly as much as she wants to, because I'm a quiet guy. But we talk all the time. And I'm sure you guys are like that too. You don't go days and weeks without speaking to your spouse, even even if they're gone on a trip. Um, I was I called uh, Brother Pierce, the the man that I got saved under. I called him this weekend, um, or text him to see if he had a minute to talk, and he was telling me that he really didn't. He was getting on a bush plane to go for a week into remote Alaska, and he'd be completely off grid. I thought, man. What's Jody going to do? His wife. She's not going to be able to talk to him for a week. And I thought, man, that'd be nice. No. <laughs> no. It would be a wonderful once-in-a-lifetime trip, but I wouldn't want to do it without my wife. I wouldn't want to go and spend that much time apart. 
But Haman felt like he had to come home and remind his friends and his wife just how great he was. It says he, he told them of all his children. Like he needed to remind his wife of his children. Okay. Haman is so full of pride and self-love that he's just got to tell everybody just how good he is. And then he makes a very sad comment. Verse number 13, Yet all this availeth me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. If Haman's life is really that great, that he's got everything going for him, and this one person can destroy all of that, how good is he really doing? You know, for us, we have these days that just everything's going right. And, you know, for me, I'm not dumping oil all over myself. And, and you know, I'm, I'm fairly clean. I haven't banged my head on the hoist. And, you know, those are good days. But then one little thing happens and it all goes out the window. Break a bolt or... or trip and fall into the pit or you know whatever i'm clumsy but how often can we be just on the top of the mountain and then all of a sudden one small insignificant thing sends us off the deep end we shouldn't be that way we should know and understand that god is right there that God is allowing all of it. I mean, if you go to the book of Job, you see in Job chapter 1, you see Satan tempt Job and, and take everything that he has. And yes, Job mourned after his children and all of his property had been destroyed. Job began to mourn, but Job didn't curse God. It didn't take him away from God. And then in Job chapter 2, Satan comes again and, and afflicts him with, with boils and sores where he's got to scrape himself with broken pieces of pot to get relief. He's got to cause himself pain to get relief from the pain. And still, Job sins not with his mouth and doesn't charge God foolishly. I mean, his wife is looking at him and... and in love, says, curse God and die. Yet, Job didn't. Because Job knew that God was right there. Job knew that God was allowing these things. He didn't know Romans 8.28. It hadn't been written yet. But he knew the principle that all things work together for good. That God gives and God takes away and, and that God is there and it's God's ways are higher than our ways. But here, Haman is in a tailspin. 
And his friends and his wife help him out tremendously. They help push him down farther down the cliff. They say, just build a gallows. Build a gallows 80 feet tall, 50 cubits. A cubit is the length from your elbow to the tip of your finger. So it varies on most men. But the average is about 18 inches. So if you take an 18-inch cubit, multiply that by 50, that's 80 feet high. That's taller than most of the, than the grain bins over here. That's taller than most of the water towers around. You can see them for miles. They said, build a, build a gallows 80 feet high and then go to the king and request to hang Mordecai on that gallows. They're encouraging him to commit murder. This isn't just against Mordecai anymore. This is a sign to all those that would come up against Haman. He's trying to make a statement. And interestingly enough, this gallows could be seen from the palace. He's making a statement to the king. You know, Satan was cast out of heaven because he wanted to exalt himself above God's throne. And here Haman is preparing to do the same thing. But the attitude at the end just really, it hurts me. And it hurts me because I was once there. Verse 14, Then said Zeresh his wife and all his friends unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high, and tomorrow speak thou unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thou in merrily with the king unto the banquet. For him it's nothing to commit murder and then just go about your day happy as a lark that's a sad state of affairs but how different are we you know, this is a new year. We've been going through and memorizing the Ten Commandments, and I, I would hope that the majority of us in this room could say that we've maybe only broken one or two of them. I think everybody, if they were truly honest, would raise their hand and say, I've told a lie. I've bared false witness. We'd probably all be able to raise our hand and say, I've taken something that doesn't belong to me whether it's time, whether it's something from work that you scabbed onto that you didn't necessarily have permission to. But I doubt any of us would say we've committed murder. Most of us wouldn't even think that we've committed idolatry. 
But if we're truly honest, we've put so many things, even today, in front of God. The Bible tells us in the book of James that if we offend in one point, we're guilty of all. Christ himself said, if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery with her in your heart already. If you hate a brother without cause, you've committed murder in your heart already. We joked about the ride to church and how it can be so frustrating and getting ready and getting here. And then all of a sudden when we come in, we're just as happy as can be, all smiles. How are we any different than Haman? For us in this world today, we have levels of sin. God doesn't have levels. They're all the same. That little white lie is just like hanging Mordecai on the gallows. Haman was willing to do whatever it took to make sure that he was happy. I can't imagine how much it would cost to build an 80-foot gallows in one night. But he has it accomplished. But we need to remember in all of this that it's a part of God's plan and it's all in God's timing. Psalm 23, I've I've talked about it many times. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. So full of hope. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This makes it sound like there's never going to be another problem. But verse number four, you're in the valley of the shadow of death. Verse number five, you're in the presence of your enemies. Problems will come. Trials will come. And when we walk with God, he'll be right there to help us through those. Job understood this. Now Job's friends unfortunately led him down the wrong way and he eventually questioned God and was corrected. But before his friends got involved, Job understood that it was God's purpose and God's plan. And here, as we look at the book of Esther, 
I think everybody here has read the rest of the story, and we know that God has a purpose and a plan, and Haman's on his way down. And we see God's sense of humor in all of this. But for us today, just have hope. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know how hard things are right now. Because again, we only see each other a couple times a week. And if you don't share, we don't know. But God knows. God has a plan and a purpose. And God is a loving Father who without question has already forgiven you of all of your sin and all of your disobedience. And is willing to have that fellowship with you. If you'll just seek it. He's willing to help. If you'll just ask. As we start 2024. Let's make this a year of. Seeking God. We cannot reach Maxwell. We cannot reach Story County. We cannot reach Iowa. We cannot reach the nation or the world. But God can. God can do it. So let's seek Him.